0: Welcome to Chronically Driven, a podcast about being in the driver's seat when it comes to health and well-being, mind, body, and soul. Chronic means ongoing or constantly reoccurring. Striving for ongoing and reoccurring wellness is something I practice daily. I believe that we are all meant to lead a thriving and powered life and that it can look as unique and different as you want it to. If you have ever wanted to reinvent your life, have a healthier outlook, healthier habits, and feel better more often, but have felt it's not within your reach, this podcast is here to help break through those limiting beliefs and help you reach for your very best self. I'm Sandra Sova and in the past 7 years I have gone from having a completely sedentary lifestyle with a slew of unhealthy habits and coping mechanisms to get me through the day, to someone that is healthier and stronger than I have ever been, both physically and emotionally. Having a chronic condition and going through four years of cancer treatment and recovery turned out to be two of the biggest gifts I have ever received. It was the turning point for taking back control of my health, wellness, and well-being. My guests and I have got so much to share with you, and I'm so glad you're here. At its core, this is a health and wellness podcast, but it's also so much more than that. Now let's climb into the driver's seat and reach for our very best life. This is Chronically Driven. Today's program was inspired by a series of posts I was seeing on social media on the topic of what not to say to someone who has cancer. I do not know of a single person who has not known a friend or family member that has had a cancer diagnosis. And if you're like like most of us, it's not always easy to know what to say. My guest today is the author of this educational series, Colleen Strong. She and I are going to dive into this topic and not only give you examples of what not to say, but also offer some alternatives of what you might want to say instead. We are going to start, however, talking about a bold and empowering experience that took place for Colleen earlier this year that turned into a national TV campaign where she wasn't, uh, she wasn't dressed. I think you're going to love hearing it. It's a great story. Let's get started. Joining me now is Colleen Strong. Thanks so much for being here, Colleen. Let me see. I want to, what do I know about you that I can tell people about? Um, I know that you are, you're an entrepreneur, a businesswoman. You are a coach and a mentor for many. Uh, I also know that you love puzzles and a really good Manhattan, right? <laughs> yeah pretty much that's me in a nutshell that's you in a nutshell <laughs> you're also yourself you self described as a harley riding kick cancers ass grandma and champion of real women <laughs> mm-hmm. rocking entrepreneurship for decades and mentoring others to do the same that's some of the business <laughs> stuff and some of the more fun stuff thank-,
1: thank you for inviting me i'm excited to do this
0: you know there are so many facets to you and another one of them, what I wanted to share and let people know, is that you were recently also involved in a national television campaign that got some international recognition. Gave a little bit of an extra exposure for yourself as well. Why don't you um, tell, tell everyone what you, were, what you were up to with that?
1: Yeah, it actually wasn't intended to be a television campaign. It was intended to be a social media campaign. Um, and then COVID hit, and I think uh, it, it expanded beyond its, uh, its original intention. So um, my daughter had sent me a screenshot of a call that NYX, which is a Canadian uh, underwear, bra, panties, and, and Great other things now. Amazing brand. Yeah. Women, uh, woman founder, awesome woman team. Um, so she'd sent me a screenshot that they were looking for models, real women models, um, not necessarily professional models. And it was an open call. And she just said, "Mom, I think you should do this. You know when your daughter says you should do something, you should probably do it, right? You don't want to you don't want to be the mom that says, "'Oh, I don't know if I can do that. So without really thinking it through, to be quite honest, I filled out the form and sent it in and um, got a got a message back saying, we want you to come for like an in person audition. And I did like a really big gulp and went, Oh, crap, like this is real. Uh Oh, because I honestly didn't think anything would come of it. And so I went to Toronto and I did an in person audition. And I think they had over 800 women that applied. And they chose 11 or 12 of us and I was one of them. And amazing. Yeah, completely unexpected. I mean, when I when I found out that they had chosen me, I kind of had a "oh crap, what did I do?" moment because I actually had to had to go ahead and be in I underwear out of as a fifty eight year old woman who's had a double mastectomy and and you know isn't like I don't hit the gym every day, and uh, so it was quite it was brave it was I'm it was, a panic I was, so to be honest. I was
0: so proud of you and just to give a little bit of context too so this is so again we mentioned nix um, a canadian intimate apparel underwear company they their campaign why this resonated with so many people it was the the title of the campaign was age doesn't matter And like you said, Colleen, the the casting call went out for uh, um, 800 women and- Yeah, 50 and older was the only- 50 and older, yes. 50 and older, yeah. So 50 years of age and and older, Mm -hmm. um, hundreds of women applied. There were 13 in the final Uh, final commercial. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, there were ranges from women in their 50s to their 80s, different shapes, sizes, all of that. And it so it was that in and of itself when that campaign ca- came out, and we're going to play a little a uh, little clip of it here in a moment um when that when that came out it really it was really well done mm-hmm. all the, all of the women looked gorgeous and beautiful and powerful mm-hmm. and it had like a really empowering song um mm-hmm. confident by Demi demi Lovato, you know the soundtrack and so that was there and then also there was a particular aspect of this commercial that really really resonated and touched people a lot and it's kind of the focus of what we're talking about today because you my friend you've had about double mastectomy Mm -hmm. and you also have on one one of your sides you've got some beautiful tattoo work so some beautiful ink yes the cardinal (laughs) it was just it was it was really great
1: yeah i actually i approached the director at the at the fitting so we went uh, the day before and and they chose what we would wear and 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 got that kind of sorted out and I should tell you that almost all of the crew was women so the director the photographer the camera people obviously the makeup artist hair it, they were all women there were very few men actually on the shoot which I thought was kind of kick-ass that mm-hmm. um, you know that they had assembled this group of women so the The director was a lovely young woman from Montreal. And I, I approached her at the fitting and said, you know, I have this really awesome post-mastectomy tattoo and I would really like to show it. Like, are you open to that? And she's like, well, I don't know, like show it to me. So I <laughs> whipped up my shirt, pulled my bra to the side, showed her the tattoo. And she just went like, okay, we got it. We have to do something with this. We so have to I didn't know this.
0: I thought yeah. that that was part of your application that they thought, oh, divert yeah. like that. But they didn't it know was. about the tattoo.
1: Yeah, I did bring it up at the in-person audition and they had said like, oh, it's you know, like, it's beautiful. We got to do something with that. But somehow in the translation of from that moment in time to the storyboards, it had gotten lost and I didn't want it to get lost. So I, I went like I said, straight to the director and said like, I, I'm completely open in, in showing this if it's something you want to do. So anyway, they, they kind of made some changes last minute and, and got it back in, which was really cool that they were open to doing that. And that they figured out how to fit it into the storyline.
0: That is a good segue. I would like to share with people a little, you're not going to see the full, the full commercial, but I'm going to put a link in it because this is a, it's, it's beautifully done. The whole commercial is a representation for all of the women that were there. I've just fangirled and made a, a, only a Colleen Strong version and <laughs> just with a little interview. So let's play that right now and take a look.
1: My name is Colleen Strong, and I'm 58. Um, I'm really, really excited to pose showing my post-mastectomy tattoo on my right breast. It's it's something that is really special to me. It makes me feel beautiful every morning when I get up to see something beautiful instead of scars. I got my leg one first. I felt very alien. And so it's an alien woman, but she kind of has (laughs) wings. And it was a way to just try to reclaim my body again. I'm excited to just share that and to show other women who have had a mastectomy, they can still be beautiful and they can still feel good about their body and they can look in the mirror and and have that experience of, you know, still feeling like a woman, still feeling beautiful. How
0: does it feel watching that? Oh, it was such a
1: great day. I mean, it it brings up a lot of emotion. um, Because it was, I didn't have any second thoughts about showing the tattoo. um, But it was it was so empowering. And it was such a great experience. I mean, it just I I get tingly just watching it again, because I'm kind of back in that environment where just everyone was beautiful. And and everyone was seen. And as someone who is, you know, gonna be 60 really soon, you don't get seen very often. Um, you, you know, society kind of writes us off and, and to be so, so appreciated and so seen and to feel beautiful no matter what we look like and to have that camaraderie of all the other women who were feeling that way, it was really, it was really kind of magical. And I think that comes across in the actual commercial the Mm -hmm. the the feeling of strength and beauty and empowerment and like just badassness that everybody was in when they were shooting it i think it really comes across and i haven't had very many opportunities to have that feeling the older that i i'm getting so it, it was really cool
0: well it was really cool for um for so many and and also for those of us that uh, that know you I was, it was it was very empowering for me as well also being someone who has gone through a breast cancer experience so i thought that was amazing and just one other note that i had here um who knows with the television commercials how many how many views on that the youtube alone Colleen, over thirty thousand people have watched you in your underwear just strutting yourself. Yeah. So, you my know, less than,
1: less than my underwear, actually. That's, that's right.
0: That's absolutely yeah. So yeah. you
1: know, no, I got so many messages from people who were like, "Oh my God, I just saw you on TV! Oh my, I just saw your commercial!" and and then I was getting messages from people saying, "I haven't seen it. Like, what channel is it on?" And it was yeah. it was uh, it was pretty fun to see everybody kind of celebrate with me because, you know, like my brother probably wasn't that thrilled to see me with just underwear on, but he, he like messaged me and was like, I just saw your commercial. And like, everybody was so supportive, whether, whether it made them uncomfortable or not, I don't know, because nobody acknowledged it. But everybody was really, really, really pleased and supportive.
0: I remember I have to, I have to laugh. I saw a, a post you, you made something about uh, making a comment that your your husband's, uh, you know, his his dreams have come true now he has a lingerie model for a wife or something yeah. like that, right?
1: Yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was awesome, because I, My husband and I have a relationship, like I don't really ask permission for things. That's not the kind of relationship that we have. And so I just like, I just applied for this. And you know, I, I kind of told him a little bit, but not, not a whole lot. And then, you know, I went to Toronto for the shoot. And then he was like, Okay, so like, tell me more, like, what's going on? And, and I'm like, Oh, you know what, I didn't really ask him how he feels about me, like, being on, cause it, at that time it was supposed to be Instagram and Facebook. It was not, we ne- we never talked about TV. So I wonder how he feels about like me being like on Instagram and Facebook in my underwear. And he's, and then it was on TV and then it was less than underwear <laughs> that he just kind of looked at, he actually cried, which was so sweet. Oh. He started crying and he said like, Oh my God, babe, that was so amazing. And then on his Facebook, he said, yeah, my dreams have come true. My wife, I'm married to an underwear model. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: No. And it's like, yeah, I mean, the emotions, like I'm, I'm tearing up right now too, because it's, it's a, it's yeah. a big deal. So thank it you is. for when sharing you, that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you go through so much and you feel, you know, you, you don't feel like a woman for a while and you don't, and you really struggle to accept your body and how changed it is. And, what it looks like and you know he went through all of that with me and then to see me kind of just like strutted and and be you know be proud and and to feel beautiful again which I mean that mm-hmm. took me years to get there and um you know he he, he saw that and he felt all that with me so it it I think it was as important for him to see that as it was for me to do it
0: absolutely absolutely love it. And your daughter must be yeah. so, so stinking proud of you. Yes, she is, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm awesome. proud of her too. So, so we're talking talking about that, that's like, like probably the, the most flashy, upbeat, happy conversation I've ever had about someone um, related to a cancer experience. Yeah. We have that in common, it's one of the, that is how Colleen and I actually became acquainted with one another through both being on a Facebook group several years ago back in my I'm like seven years now um, with my cancer experience from diagnosis but then you know there's lots of things we're going through through treatments and so we met we met through through the, can- the cancer experience now we also we have we do lots of wonderful things together we're actually business partners with our essential oil business and teams and so that is super exciting and I'm just going to visit in on that for a minute because we're going to talk about a series that you're doing on social media um, around breast cancer awareness and the fact that you and i have both been down that road take a look at where we were health wise Mm -hmm. seven seven years ago Mm. six years five five years ago five years ago for me is kind of like i was so depleted and to look at us now we are healthy vibrant, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thriving. Ever. And it, you know, and, and a lot of that has to do there's lots of things, but a lot of it is the found the the importance and the foundation of having healthy, healthy habits, healthy lifestyle, making sure that we are supporting our physical and emotional health. And so much of that has changed and is supported by my use of essential oils, especially on the, on the um, aromatherapy side. So that is not the topic for today. But as I'm sitting here with my gorgeous friend, and I'm also feeling I feel so healthy and vibrant.
1: Mm.
0: I just want to kind of put that in because it's how it's it's the connection of how we became became connected with one another. And it's that yeah, I think it's super cool.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I say it all the time that you know i had a, I had a friend who passed away from breast cancer and she was diagnosed about 2 years before me and she was such a such a support for me when i was going through it cuz she had kind you know she she had been through some of what i was going through and she said something to me that i'll never forget and i repeat all the time because to me it just really sums up what she said was that uh, cancer is a gift wrapped in barbed wire It's true. There's a lot of pain involved in going through that experience, but there there's also a lot of really positive things that can come out of it if you're if you're open to it and if if you can if you can look for them. So, you know, doterra is one of them. I found doterra during cancer treatment, and and it and it just flipped a switch and and changed everything around for me. And I've created a beautiful business and and an amazing team because of it, you know, having, doing, doing the next thing. Like I, I would never have, if I hadn't been through everything I had been through, I would never have been brave enough or have wanted to show that, you know, you can go through these things and come out better on the other side. And that's a big part of, my message and what I want to do is show that, you know, mm-hmm. yes, cancer happened to us, but it doesn't define us. And it, it actually can be a catalyst for a lot of really positive change in your life. It's
0: the same. Yeah. One of the things that I, that I really wanted to talk to talk about is something that you've recently started doing on your social media feeds. That is a series featuring what not to say to mm-hmm. someone who has cancer what made you decide to choose that topic
1: i wanted to it's been my experience and a lot of what i see in the breast cancer facebook groups that people say a lot of things very well intentioned very well meaning trying to be supportive and it has the opposite effect (laughs) and there's a lot of you know venting that goes on about oh i can't believe this person said this to me so I was trying to find something that I could do that would have an impact for my sisters but and and help people who are really trying to be helpful maybe steer them in a in a direction that's actually helpful instead of the result that they're getting. So that really stuck out for me and it seemed like a really easy place to start was, you know, you know, people don't know what to say and so they say the wrong thing a lot of the time and if I could if I could help that, then I yeah. knew that I could reduce a lot of kind of pain and anger and frustration in my sisters that are kind of in the midst of it.
0: In the midst of it, and and you know, and that support is needed. And mm. I think that there's either say the wrong thing or say nothing at all. Yeah, there's, ne- there, that, neither one that's, are helpful. That silence, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I was I, like, I've been enjoying the series we're talking about our our experience with breast cancer but this could go for any types of cancer. So the first one, everything happens for a reason.
1: Oh my gosh. Like I I mean I started with that one because it's I think it's one of the most hurtful things that people can say and I know that they're trying to say it's going to be okay is kind of the underlying message mm-hmm. or like you're going to get through this but like when you're when you hear i you have cancer. It's terrifying. Like you, you immediately wonder, am I going to die? What's going to happen to my Mm -hmm. kids? What's going to happen to my husband? Like you go into the spiral and for somebody to say that there's a reason for that happens for a reason. It's like, what? Oh, like what effing reason is there for Mm -hmm. me to be be in a fight for my life? Like, no, there's no reason for it. It's
0: Um, not helpful.
1: It's not, it's not. And it, it's a, it feels like a slap in the face. Like bad things happen to good people. Life isn't fair. Like there is no reason sometimes for, for, for things. And for when people say like, oh, everything happens for a reason. It makes you start to think like, well, what did I do to deserve this? Cause that's kind of the message, right? Like, yeah,
0: it's kind of one of those, oh well, there's that phrase. I'll try, I'll try and yeah. use that. And the next one is saying things that, are minimizing like you'll be back to normal before you know it everything's going to be okay you've got this you're you mentioned that it's sort of pr- the protection mechanism for the for the the person that's saying it
1: yeah I think I think when people are saying all of that they're reassuring themselves that you're going to be okay it's they're not actually talking to you at all they're just saying oh you know my wife or my friend or everything's going to be okay. Nothing, nothing bad's going to happen to you. You're going to be okay. But they're really saying it to help themselves feel better. (laughs) And they're meant to be reassuring. But what happens when people dismiss like that is it shuts you down completely from being able to share anything that goes against that. You know, you can't say like, I'm scared I'm going to die or what's going to happen to my kids or how's my husband going to deal with this? Because they've just dismissed all of that and told you like, there's nothing to worry about. It's almost like a pat on the head.
0: And I think in real time, if I can you know see and sense and, and recall things like that happening, expressing something which every right to do so, a fear, mm-hmm. like I'm really, I'm really worried. Oh, you're gonna be it'll be fine. It'll be yeah. it's it's wanting to shut it's, the conversation down.
1: Yeah, it slams it's that like, door right in your face. I don't yeah. want to talk about your feelings. I don't wanna talk about what you're afraid of. I don't want to talk about any outcome other than everything's gonna be okay. <laughs>
0: And while it's okay at some point, of course, sometimes it's, that's the emotion. That's the sentiment that we want, that we want. That mm-hmm. That's fine to think that everything's going to be okay. We do need to to be, to be hopeful, but it's not, it's never an all or nothing. And there needs mm-hmm. to be room and space to not have things just, you know, sort of, sort of sh- sugar-coated like that. I think yeah. that the point of saying that it's, it's those things are said to make the other person feel better and it's just you know like a lot of these things that we're talking about it's maybe some thinking of just thinking a little bit more about what the impact of the statements and the and the words may have on -hmm. the person that is that is um, receiving them
1: and i think you know something i wanted to i want to make clear is that we like i know that people aren't saying these things to be hurtful or dismissive on purpose and i know that you know People just don't know what to say and they want to say something to show their support. And we appreciate that. And we need that. So, you know, I don't, I don't want people to kind of feel bad if they've said some of these things like, Oh, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but I also, you need to understand how the person receiving it is feeling so that we can do better. Right. So that's really the purpose of going through all these things so that next time you know, what to say instead of what not to say.
0: And and as as always too, it's not a one size fits all. It's, uh, yes. you know, these are um, very, very subjective. This next one is one that I heard all the time. You are so brave and strong.
1: Mm-hmm. Try having a last name strong.
0: That's all yeah. I heard. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. oh, you've got this. You're, na- it's, na- so being brave and, and strong as if what other choice do we have exactly and i used to i used to
1: say to people because they would say like oh your name is like it's perfect you're so strong and i used to say i didn't have a choice (laughs) i didn't Mm -hmm. have a choice this happened to me i wanted to live therefore i did what i needed to do i didn't choose to be strong i didn't choose to be brave I had the option of curling in a ball or not, and I chose the knot, but I don't feel brave and I don't feel strong. I'm just trying to get through every single day. Mm
0: -hmm. And when
1: someone tells you how brave and strong you are, when you're not brave and strong, you can feel bad about yourself because you're being told all the time how brave and strong you are. And then you feel like maybe you're a failure because you're not brave and strong that day or in that moment. It it, it can get really tricky, you know, to be identified as brave and strong when sometimes you need to not be
0: strong and you need to not be brave. I think in some days, yeah, I think I was, I was brave and I needed some days I felt that, Mm -hmm. but that was so so few and far. The rest of the days you're not when you're when you're recovering from surgeries, when you're getting mm-hmm. right all of that, when it's the heat of the moment, going to the hospital, going to the, you know, that's when I would feel mm-hmm. that I was being brave and strong, when I needed that. But for every other, which is 90% of yeah. recovery time, it did not at all feel
1: anything
0: mm-hmm. like that other than when I was going for the procedures like yeah, it just that that I just agree. did not fit at all.
1: I agree. Yeah. I d- I didn't I didn't feel brave and strong most of the time. And the brave and strong ties into the other things we were talking about, right? Where people are kind of creating situations where you can't share how you're feeling, where you can't share the amount of fear, the amount of sadness, grief, um pain. So if Anger. you're not sharing all of those things, then you do look brave and strong because it looks like you're sailing through. You're not. You just haven't been able to express it because everybody's been telling you that everything's going to be okay and you've got this. And right. So they they go hand in hand. If we were actually not dismissed and able to express everything we're going through, people would realize we're not that brave and strong. We're terrified. We're hurting. We're scared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a lot going on, but because... We, we don't have a forum to, to share openly a lot of those feelings, then it can look very brave and strong. But mm-hmm. inside, that's not what's happening.
0: This next one, it's a, it's a really, a really big one. And I think it's going to be a, it's super, super helpful. It's we often people want to know how can they help someone who's going through an experience with cancer or, you know, surgeries and that. Just simply saying, let me know how I can help. And that's what a lot of people do. Sure.
1: Now, people don't want to ask for help. They don't want to inconvenience people. They don't want to
0: seem needy. They don't want to impose. And yet, we are. There are certain times when I can remember where it was, things were so intense. I could have used any amount of help. Any anything mm-hmm. that anyone wanted to pick mm-hmm. of like a specific, like some of the specifics that you talked about in your mm-hmm. um, in your in your post were you know, offering just that you're going to bring some meals or basically, basically kind of telling them what you're going to do and then giving them an, does that work for you? Instead yeah. of making them come up with something.
1: Yeah, instead of keeping it very open, like, tell me what I can do. Because now, now you're creating the situation where they have to ask for help, which they're not going to do. Most people aren't going to do. Some people will, mm-hmm. um, but the, I think they're few and far between. So be, be specific. Think about what you want to do. And, and then say, I'm going to do this for you. And then ask about like timing or things. So for example, like having meals in the freezer, especially if you have children or, you know, there's more than you and your husband in the house, that is huge. So saying, you know, I'd like to make some freezer meals for you. And honestly, don't even ask them like what, what they want you to make because it's overwhelming. They have so much going on in their life. And, and they they feel so out of control that to sit down and write out a menu is not going to happen. So say, you know, some of the things I'm really good at, I make a mean lasagna, a shepherd's pie, um, you know, things that freeze well, chili, like, can, can I make those for you and freeze them and drop them off next Thursday, like be really mm-hmm. specific. And, and say like, if you don't like any of those things, tell me, and there's other things I can do, but I'd really, I'd really like to drop off some freezer meals for you next Thursday. Is that okay? Or do you have any dietary restrictions or whatever? Another thing is cleaning their house. If you're a really good friend and you want to do it yourself, that's awesome. If not say like, I, I am going to hire a house cleaner for you to come once a week for the next four weeks. What day and time would you like them to come? Perfect. you have and and some and you know for some people that might feel pushy like you have to be a good friend to do that but for other people honestly if someone had said that to me i would have been like oh my god uh thursday at 10 please you know like it, it's be very very specific about what what you can do i had a i had a chat with um with a friend who um said you know what i had a friend i had so many people say. Tell me what I can do. Mm -hmm. And I never asked them for anything. And I had a friend who, um, you know, every other day around 10 would leave a a Starbucks on my porch and ring my doorbell. Mm -hmm. She said that meant so much to me because she knew I was away from work. I was missing my Starbucks fix. It was something like she was driving by my house. It was like not something that was super hard for her to do. But she said the fact that she thought of me and what I might be missing and what would make me smile, and then did it consistently was huge. So it doesn't have to be a big grand gesture, but think about the person and and what they're gonna be struggling with, what their families, because often if we help the family, we help the woman
0: so true and right? and just yeah find out think about what would be meaningful what would be helpful what you can actually do and then yeah. just do it because i yeah. know for myself and i was i was offered let me know if there's anything yes. that i can do to help or i'm yes. you know i'm here for you great but yeah. i i never reached out and also decisions yeah. when no, i was going through treatment i can't I, no no way you're,
1: you're so overwhelmed it's like yeah where do i start like can you clean my house can you do my grocery shopping can you drive my kids to the soccer can you can you talk to my husband and give him a shoulder to cry on because we can't cry on each other's shoulders we're both in survival mode like where do you start you need so much help yeah. that just a wide open question like that it overwhelms you and you just shut down and it's like Ugh, i can't like i just can't so mm-hmm. be specific offer something specific and follow through and yeah, be be like, no no yes or no questions. It's like, what time, what date, yeah. what do you eat? What don't you eat? Like be, be very, very specific about and, what, and, what um, you want to do.
0: You know, that can, that's some good advice for, even right now, we may know some seniors, for instance, that aren't getting out due to um, what's going on in the world. Like anytime you're looking to help for, for someone, Mm-hmm. don't basically make them have to have to um, define that we can, we can do yeah, a better job with that. And I know I've,
1: yeah. I, I, right? I see like, that in
0: myself. I, I know how I can do better.
1: Yeah, we won't like, I, I, I don't like asking for help. I don't, I don't like depending on other people or, you know, charity, like, yeah. Yeah. I just, just remove that from the equation, tell them what you're going to do and ask them, you know, their preference. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Great. All right, here's one. This is, a, this is a big one. for. So Colleen and I both have had, um, we had our mastectomy with reconstruction that is uh, using your own tissue as part of the reconstruction process. When you get reconstruction, whether it's that way or through implants or anything, often people think that it's appropriate to congratulate us because we're able to get a boob job or a tummy tuck.
1: A free boob job. Yeah.
0: We're so lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just kind of want to throat punch people when they do that one. <laughs> it's, it's common. Did you have, I, I mean, I, I've experienced <laughs> quite, quite a bit uh, of that. Uh, how about you?
1: Yeah, I didn't get a lot of that comment. But
0: but I know it's it's prevalent. It's very
1: common. Yeah, it's it's very, very I mean I mean I did I did get some of it, but I didn't get a ton of it. But it is, yeah, I think people are trying to find the silver lining. And you know, for women it's like, ooh, like I would love to get a tummy tuck or a boob job after I've had my kids. And for them, that's the silver lining. Mm-hmm. What they don't realize is the price that you're paying for that boob job or tum- tummy tuck, which is going through cancer, through cancer treatment, um, and all the things that go along with it. And, and by the way, our bodies don't look like you know uh, a, someone who hasn't had a mastectomy and has had a tummy tuck and boob job. It's like, very different. Bodies, no matter how good the plastic surgeons do, are not normal breasts they just, they, they, they just never look normal. So, you know, it's a bit of like a Frankenstein boob job, yep. you know, that, that's what it is. And, and we certainly wouldn't, I would choose to have my old saggy breasts versus these breasts and all the scars and everything mm-hmm. and everything that went along with it. So mm-hmm. again, it's not something we're choosing. It's, it's, you know, uh, A bad option A or a bad option B. Which one do you want? They're both bad, but you get to pick one. Yeah, some some of the ladies have described it as um, a boob job with a side of cancer. Yeah, who would order that? Like, you know, or or yes, I just went through my uh, fight for your life cancer makeover. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know,
0: (laughs) yeah. So that segues into another another one. Remember, okay, what are we talking about today, everyone? We are talking about what not to say to someone who has cancer, mm. and one of the ones that I think is really important, and I think it's maybe just a little bit um, politeness, don't comment on their appearance. Mm. don't talk about the changes that you're noticing.
1: Yeah, again, I think it's like a silver lining thing there's oh like you're so thin um which you know, normally our society thinks is awesome. But if you're thin because you have cancer, it's not so awesome, right? And it might mm-hmm. not be something that somebody once pointed out because they didn't choose the cancer diet. Like It happened to them and they're probably quite afraid about what's happening with their body and how thin they're getting. And am I going to be able to like, fight things off and continue with my treatment and all of that thing? The, the, um, the hair is another one. <laughs>
0: So not all cancer and chemotherapy um, has has hair loss with Mm -hmm. breast cancer. It's very, very common. And it's that's, you know, you can almost, you can, you can, you can see, you can see that. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people, first of all, that can be very difficult for some people. Yeah. And I mean, it's no walk in the walk in the park for anyone, but it's um, people sometimes feel the need to, to dismiss that and uh, it'll grow back. Yeah. It's just hair. That's it's only that. hair.
1: Yeah. It's just hair, but it's, it's so much bigger than hair. It is. I mean, when you, oh, hair is so complicated for women. I mean, think about how much money women spend on their hair. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a big part of our appearance and our identity. And when you lose your hair, Um, To me, it's like a big blinking neon sign that you're wearing around your neck that says, I have cancer. And everybody who sees you instantly knows what's going on in your life. And it's a real lack of privacy. And it, it eliminates any opportunity to have a normal day when you go outside of the house because people stare at you. They give you very sad looks. Yes. Right? You get a lot of sympathy glances and it's, it's just kind of a constant reminder to you of what is happening to you. It's just impossible to escape when mm-hmm. it's so visible
0: and, and so vulnerable know, because yeah. you're, you're stripped. I mean, so it's not mm. just the hair on the, it's eyebrows, yeah. eyelashes. I mean, that was, that was really, really tough for me. You're very vulnerable Mm-hmm. you're then like you said it's like you're instantly identified as people know know what's yeah. what's going on and then yeah a lot of those yes. sad looks or absolutely you know just avoidance you're just like I often felt that I was making people uncomfortable totally
1: yeah totally right because they they know what's happening to you they don't know you but they know what's happening to you and um and yeah it's it is very kind of soul-bearing to not be able to hide, you know, just go out and have a normal day without everybody, every stranger in the world knowing what what you're going through, Mm -hmm. yeah, and and all of that. And, you know, just looking in the mirror, like for me, um, I didn't have chemotherapy, so I didn't lose my hair, but I would wake up every morning and I would kind of forget that I had cancer and then I would like see scars or incisions or tapes or drains and it would it was like an instant kind of smack in the face of like, oh shit, right, this is happening to me. Like mm-hmm. and and I would imagine the you know, being bald and losing your hair is the same thing, right? You wake up in the morning, you kind of forget, you look in the bathroom mirror and it's like BAM like, oh yeah, oh yeah, right. This is happening to me. It's so visible that mm-hmm. you can't escape it. Mm-hmm. And then to minimize that and say, oh, it'll grow back or it's just hair. And... You can wear a wig. Oh, yeah. No. You can
0: have fun with wigs and scarves. And yeah. Fun. Oh, that's so cool. I, I was told um, you have a very <laughs> nice shaped skull. <laughs> like, thank you. That is, I don't know what to do with that information, but thank you. Thanks. No, I don't know. I mean, it's just, and and, and I, I mean, we're not, we're not beating up on people. We're not. No. We're, we're honestly not. We're doing, and we're. I think that part of the. This sort of levity that we have is because we've both, we have both, you know, we've walked down this this path. We're not we're not being judgmental. We're mm-hmm. we're really we're really talking and, and sharing a uh, sharing about this because um, it's also something that that two girlfriends don't usually sit around and, ch- and chit chat about. So we're we're kind of you know we we've kind of walked walked the path. Um, another mm-hmm. one they maybe tom- sometimes speculate. Hmm. Do you think that you got cancer because? you did or did not do this, that, or the other thing. Like, I, oh, let's just wonder about that.
1: Yeah, I have to take a really deep breath on that one because, you know, for me, when I got diagnosed, that, that's where my mind went was, what did I do? What decisions, you know, did I eat too much sugar? Did I not exercise enough? Did I stand too close to the microwave? Like you're, you go down this rabbit hole of, how did I bring this on myself? And then to have someone else ask you that question or Or maybe
0: forward you some some, emails. uh, What if they forward you some emails about some lifestyle factors that (laughs) or the crazy diets
1: or, or the doctor in Germany that you can go and only eat, you know, green juice and get cured. And
0: so, yeah, the dietary dietary and treatment advice. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a lot out there it's, but at Mm -hmm. the time, Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to come and talk to someone, how to be proactive, and how to do things if you're you know if you've got a really good friendship and a close relationship maybe you can talk about that but when someone has been diagnosed with cancer i really don't think that's the time to start speculating on what they may have done to contribute to that
1: yes no and 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 while like i realized i needed to make changes absolutely but but the blame behind it and the You know, I was not in a position to make any changes when I was going through treatment. I've made lots of changes since then, and I recognized that I needed to, but I had to place my faith and my trust in my team, in my medical team, and to start second guessing what they were doing just piled on more anxiety and more fear onto shoulders that were already way, way down with all of that stuff. So yeah, I didn't, it's not good to just start sending all of these different things that people, you know, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Have you thought about this? Are you eating this? You should stop eating this. Putting all of that on somebody who is just trying to keep their nose above water Mm -hmm. is not helpful at all afterwards or during like if if they want to seek that out then that's the time to share your perspective if they ask you if they ask you i think that uh, really otherwise just zip it like don't yeah yeah
0: yeah. especially if it's has any sort of things of like that like that blame factor or Mm -hmm. that you should take responsibility because you know i mean yes there are definitely things that contribute and increase mm-hmm. incidence and chances of cancer. But I also know very, very well that you can have none of those contributing factors and, and, still, right. and still get uh, a cancer diagnosis. So that, right. sort, of, um, that sort of judgment is, is not, not appropriate. Also, yeah. the, there's. We're, I'm going to go through, there was a, a pretty good post um, that I saw that you were saying, giving some of these examples and giving an alternative of what you yes. might say instead. But uh, just for the, the last one here, what about telling someone who is going through cancer that it's really important that they always stay positive,
1: toxic <laughs> positivity? <laughs> yes, toxic, toxic positivity, one of my pet peeves. I mean, I know it's important to have a positive mindset. I know that. I also know when I was in the thick of it that, you know, some days my goal was to just um, not fall apart. A positive mindset seemed like Mount Kilimanjaro and I had flip-flops on. It just was not, it wasn't possible. So yes, mindset is important, but you need to be in a place of, a physical place where you have enough energy and rest and, you know, all of, all of that to attempt to be positive. And, you know, a lot of cancer treatment strips that away. You're not sleeping, you're in pain. You can't, you can't get good nutrition. Um, mm. it's, it's really, yeah. you're asking somebody to do something that's just not, not possible and then when you do that, right, they f- you feel like, why can't I? Why can't I just like mindset my way out of this? Why, mm-hmm. why can't I get my butt up off the couch and get dressed and be productive today um, instead of just binging Netflix and, you know, like crying? Like, mm-hmm. why can't I? And so, again, you're putting an expectation on somebody that they can't fulfill, and that sets them up for failure. And the last thing we need when we're already, you know, in a fight for our life and feeling crappy physically and emotionally is now to add more emotional baggage onto mm-hmm. that,
0: right? And I think it's also like one of the things like I'm, I am definitely mindset, outlook, all of that, but. Putting on the positive um, positivity thing as a as a constant is not not the space I live in. It's not the space that I mm-hmm. want to live in because I want a variety. I want to have times when I'm more introspective. I want to have time. Sadness is okay. Yeah. Worry, oh all of these, like to process. If we are only mm-hmm. having one level of feeling. Whether, I mean, first, if it's not positivity, what if someone's angry all the time, like whatever it is, one dimensional, Mm. the when going through a a health crisis, when going through a challenge, when going through recovery, it is very much a a roller coaster, and diminishing someone's experience by suggesting that they should always just make sure, stay positive, you've got this. This isn't our, um, you know, our Olympics, we're not getting medals and, and mm. standing on podiums. This is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something quite different.
1: Yeah, and we need to be able to grieve, right? We need, and, and, and the, that you have to stay positive kind of shuts yeah. down the opportunity for moving through your grief. There's a lot to grieve when, when you go through this. If you don't grieve when you're going through it, you will grieve after. Like there's no escaping it. There's no, there's no mind setting your way out of just skipping over the grief. There's danger in that. In fact, it's not healthy to skip over the grief. You have to be able to be sad and angry Mm -hmm. and hurt and all of those things so that you can be
0: positive down the road, you know? And if we keep emotions of any kind suppressed and we don't allow ourselves to feel those that also i believe is how our we can become unwell because Absolutely. when we don't it whether whether it's more emotionally unwell or physically unwell yeah. there is a room for for all emotions in life and our i mean life is yeah. not supposed to be all all good and it's you know there's lots of lots of lots of room mm-hmm. you know this is i think this has been This has been a really good conversation. And I think it's been something that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm -hmm. We've talked about a lot of what, what not to say here, some of the things of what to say. So just, uh, just reading, reading off of, off of it here, instead of saying nothing, which again, that's, and I've been guilty of that too, with things. I mean, so instead of saying nothing at all, say, I don't know what to say. That's honest. Yeah. Say that. That's me. That's, that's real. Yeah, we know you don't know what to say because we don't know what to say either. It, this, this one, instead of saying, I'm worried about you, mm-hmm. say, I care about you. Mm-hmm. Do you see the difference? I mean, that mm-hmm. is, that's, 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 really, that's really powerful. I think when we compare these, you can, you can feel mm-hmm. the difference. Mm-hmm. You are so strong. You are so brave. <laughs> well, why not instead say, I'm sorry that this is happening to you. Oh my gosh. I would have, I would have
1: loved to have heard that. I literally, that would have made such a difference because I think, I think the biggest struggle for me going through what I went through was the emotional side. Like the physical side was tough, but the emotional Mm -hmm. side was hardest. And, and a big part of that was not having a release, not having somebody say, you know, I'm sorry, this is happening to you. Tell, tell me how you're feeling. Like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah. Because what happens is we can't say those things with our family because our families are hurting too. You know, we want to, we don't want to pile on more by saying, I'm afraid I'm going to die. I don't know if I can do this. I'm really depressed. Like I hate my body. Like mm-hmm. we can't put that on the people we love because they're already hurting as much as we are and not having somebody to have those conversations with was the hardest part for me of that journey because I had a lot of stuff that I needed to release and a lot of things I needed to say out loud yes to move through them but nobody was open to it they were all protecting their heart because they were worried about me they didn't want to feel bad they didn't want they felt they had to make me feel better Yes. Instead of just letting me feel. So, you know, somebody saying, I'm sorry, this is happening to you would open that door that you could say like, oh my God, this is so hard. Like, this is hard. This is what I'm feeling this,
0: right? I don't need you to be my cheerleader and tell me I'm doing great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just open your arms and, and listen and don't talk. (laughs) Just let them talk and don't talk.
0: That's really what, that's really what we need, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, that's, um, that is what we, what we need telling someone, I know how you feel. An alternative for that is, do you want to talk about how you feel? And that's That's... just what you touched on. And that's because you don't, you don't necessarily, and again, this is, uh, this is, uh, this can fit a lot of situations, people. This is some good, Mm. some good, uh, good advice. And Another I love one. that
1: they asked if the time was right, because sometimes you can't say anything because you're afraid if you start talking, you'll never stop crying. So the time has to be right to open up. So I like mm-hmm. that they said, would you like to talk
0: about how you feel? Yeah,
1: because it might be a yes or a no, depending on where,
0: where oh, you that are. is, that is very valid.
1: And keep asking until they say yes, that would be the second part that I would say if, if today is No. Then ask again next week and they're those, ready. Because
0: those, those things do need, to, do need to come out. Yeah. Instead of saying someone, don't worry, why not try? I'm here to listen. Yeah, don't worry. How do you not worry when you might die? I mean, it's so ridiculous. I'm sure you'll be fine. Colleen, I'm sure you'll be fine.
1: Mm. <laughs> um, you are, because I'm not, yeah, is what yeah. I would have said. Like, really?
0: How do you know? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> So if you're thinking of saying I'm sure you'll be fine, why not again simply back to I'm thinking about you. Way different feelings. Keep opening that door. Mhm. Mhm. Mm. I think those are those are those are are good. I think I'm going to post that graphic in the mm. show notes. And you know we're not it's like you, we said at the beginning people aren't intentionally trying to be hurtful. No, we no. I I get it. We're we we don't know what to say but when I hope that today we have pointed out a little bit of awareness on how a basic comment can have the impact of that from the person, and give some suggestions of an alternative of what might be offered up instead, because that support is needed. Saying nothing and keep and being in isolation—it's—it's it's, uh, that's that's not the answer either. So I hope to encourage people to, to explore this a little, a little bit more and think about how we can show up better for our friends and families and people in our community that may be going through, um, going through something like this.
1: Yeah, I think it's all about, it's all about being emotionally vulnerable. And we realize that the people who are saying these things love us and care about us, and they're worried about us. And they're just, they're really just trying to do the right thing by trying to make us feel better. But the truth is that nothing they can say can make us feel better. What they can do to make us feel better is to connect with us in an emotionally vulnerable way. And let us actually share what, what, what we're going through, what we're thinking and what we're feeling because that's where the healing happens. And if all the conversations are about shutting down and dismissing Mm. that, then the healing gets delayed and it, it gets, it makes it harder. So I love the open-ended, like you don't deserve this. I'm sorry, this is happening to you. Yeah. Would you like to talk about how you're feeling? All of those things are opening a door to the person to share what they're experiencing and what they're feeling. And that honestly is what people need when they're going through this whole cancer treadmill that you get on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I I love those open-ended responses where you're just opening the door to them, sharing if they want to.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, just to be mindful and to remind, remind ourselves of that. I think that's some really, really good, uh, good suggestions there. Colleen, this is, I I really appreciate this. This has been, this has been a good conversation. I hope that it'll um, add value to others as well. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up and let people know where to find you?
1: No, I, I enjoyed this. I mean, I was revisiting a lot of not so great memories, mm-hmm. right? But, but I think, you know, I'm really hopeful that, that people who are diagnosed or who are going through treatment can send the link to their friends and family so that they can watch this. <laughs> that right. was really my intention, right? Was for, to create almost a tool for, for people in cancer to say to their friends and family, hey, can you watch this? instead of trying to have these conversations when they're already overwhelmed and and they need the support of the people. So it's not the time to say, Hey, you know what you did just hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. So yeah, guys, like if share this with somebody, you know, who got diagnosed, share this with your friends and family. If you have been diagnosed, Mm -hmm. use this as a tool to make your path a little smoother. And, and that, that would just bring both Sandra
0: and I so much joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been such a pleasure. I know that this is not going to be the last of what what we hear from you on your platform. Tell people where they can find you on Instagram and Facebook and just how, how to connect.
1: Sure. So on Instagram, I'm at um, at Colleen Strong Oils. Colleen has two L's and two E's. On Facebook, I have an open page that is Strong Oils Essential Oil Community. Um, You can find me there as well.
0: Terrific. And I will put those links in the show notes as well. And we will also put up that, that video and a couple of other resources. And this has been great spending this time with you and we will be right back. You've been listening to Chronically Driven. Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you come back for more episodes. Follow me on social media at Chronically Driven over on Instagram And YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you next time.